There has always been political humor. It has always been part of the political discourse. While serving several functions at one time, from truth-telling to catharsis, and also, ideally, it's supposed to be funny. Which brings us to the present moment. With the sharp spike that we are all seeing in comedy that is focused on politics, and especially on the man who currently occupies the Oval Office. We have all of those late-night monologues, the satirical cable shows, the columns and the podcasts, and of course, everybody and his brother is doing a Trump impersonation. But this spike in comedy, how sharp, comically speaking, is it really? Now, when we are so very polarized, how good and how successful is comedy at this moment, not just in getting us to think, but also in getting us to laugh? Well, we think this has the makings of a debate, so let's have it. Yes or no to this statement, Trump is bad for comedy. I'm John Donvan, and I stand between two teams of two who are experts in this topic by their life experience. They will be arguing for and against the resolution. As always, our debate will go in three rounds, and then our audience here at the K Playhouse at Hunter College in New York City will pick the winner. And as always, if all goes well, civil discourse will also win. A reminder to our audience, especially if you've just arrived, we want to ask you to vote your pre-debate vote. Cast it now. Visit the website on a phone, iq2us.org forward slash vote. That's iq2us forward slash vote. You'll be prompted to cast a vote for the motion or against the motion or to declare yourself as undecided. We're going to keep that open for a few more minutes. And remember, it's going to be the difference between that vote and your vote after hearing the arguments that will determine our winner. Our resolution is Trump is bad for comedy. Let's meet the debaters, starting with the team arguing for the motion and starting with, ladies and gentlemen, P.J. O'Rourke. P.J., welcome back to Intelligence Squared U.S. You are a renowned political scientist, renowned, yes, and best-selling author. You have written 19 books on a variety of topics that cover politics and cars and war and cooking and cleaning. Uh, your latest book came out this September with the title, None of My Business. So tell us, PJ, what is none of your business? Politics. Or, <laughs> I wish that politics were none of my business. If I had my, my druthers, I would never hear the word politics again and just stay home and drink scotch and let the world go to hell on its own. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. A look ahead at PJ O'Rourke. And PJ's partner, please welcome Sarah Schaefer. Sarah, welcome to Intelligence Squared U.S. You are a stand-up comedian. You're a writer. You're a producer. You've already won two Emmy Awards. You've won a Webby Award for your work on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. You were the co-host of MTV's Nikki and Sarah Live with comedian Nikki Glaser. When you were trying to break into comedy, which is a hard thing to do, you had a day job as an analyst at a securities fraud law firm how did that influence your stand-up career? Uh, well, my job was to calculate damages for securities fraud cases, and I was like really deep in spreadsheets. Um, so uh, I should not have been doing that, um, but I did. And it directly influenced my comedy because my first comedy that I did in New York was two songs, one about my cubicle and one about Microsoft Excel. So <laughs> write what you know. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Schaefer and the team arguing for the motion. And, of course, we have a team arguing against the motion. And first, let's meet its first member, or its member sitting nearest to me, Kurt Anderson. 
Kurt, you are the well-known host of the public radio show Studio 360. You are a best-selling novelist. You're a journalist. Your most recent books include Fantasyland, got amazing reviews. Also, You Can't Spell America Without Me, which you co-wrote with Alec Baldwin. You also co-founded way back the satirical magazine called Spy. Uh, That magazine did a lot of Donald Trump coverage uh, about 30 years ago. The magazine sent Trump a check for 13 cents. What was the point? That was the, it was the end of a very long con, appropriately, for Donald Trump, where we sent 58 famous rich people checks for $1.11. Those who cashed them, about 30 of them, we sent another check for $0.64. Cents. Those who cashed those, we, 11 of them, we sent checks for $0.13. Cents. Two of the original 58 cashed the $0.13 cent checks, the arms dealer Adnan Khashoggi and Donald Trump. <laughs> There you go. Um, so that was, that was the idea. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Kurt. And your partner, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Billy Kimball. <laughs> Billy, you are an Emmy Award-winning writer and a producer. You're currently working on the HBO comedy series called Veep, which stars Julia Louis-Dreyfus. So tell us, why is Veep so successful? Well, thank you, John. Uh, that's a hard-hitting but fair question. <laughs> <laughs> And I can see that you will not be pulling any punches <laughs> tonight. Um, apart from the, the talents of our, of our crew and our, and our cast, led by Julia Dreyfus, to which we can, we can stipulate, I'd say that Mark Twain famously said, except that he didn't really say it, that, that history doesn't repeat itself, it rhymes. And in the case of Veep, uh, although increasingly we have these, these troubling moments when it actually seems like we're a, you know, uh, uh, rigorous documentary. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I would say that while we don't uh, report history, uh, we don't report what's going on, we attempt to sort of rhyme with it, and I think that that um, seems to be somehow uh, in keeping with the, current, uh, with the current moment. All right, thank you, Billy Kimball, and the team arguing against the motion. And now on to the debate. The debate goes in three rounds. Round one is opening statements by each debater in turn. Speaking first for the motion, Trump is bad for comedy. Here is Sarah Schaefer, critically acclaimed stand-up comedian, writer, and producer. Ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Schaefer. Thank you. Uh, I want to thank you all for coming tonight for this very serious discussion. There's nothing that funny people love more than being extremely unfunny about what we do. Seriously, we're the most self-important people here in the world. Um, And I'm here to say that uh, Trump is bad for comedy. Um, My partner, PJ, will go into sort of more of the politics of it. Um, I'm going to talk to you about my real-world experience. Um, Now, I want to preface this by saying I'm talking about the conditions for comedy. Trump is terrible for the conditions for comedy. I've experienced this firsthand in comedy clubs across this country. Now, as you probably have already realized, I'm not very famous, and I don't, <laughs> I don't have a huge fan base. Uh, I probably have maybe one fan in here tonight. Thank you, Dad, for coming. Um, no, I, I, I don't have a huge fan base, so the people that come to my shows are random. Um, I don't know who's going to be in there, and I have no control over it. God, I wish I did. Um, I knew something was awry when in 2016 uh, I did a show in a club in Atlanta, Georgia, and I said two words. I said Hillary Clinton, and I hadn't said anything about her yet, but a man in the front row went like this. 
That's when I knew something was wrong. (laughs) He didn't even know how I felt about it yet, and he was already having a visceral reaction. Since the election, um, I've noticed a very palpable change in the environment in stand-up clubs. uh, As a comedian, I have kind of a sixth sense. Um, I can detect tight buttholes in a room. I can feel them. There are a few in here tonight, and I just encourage (laughs) you to loosen just a little. Um, (laughs) We are debating comedy. Um, And I've called these past couple of years the great butthole tightening. When I go into a club, I think Trump has made us all very tense. He has divided us down to a familial level. People have blocked their family members on Facebook. People have cut out family members out of their life. They've now found out that co-workers of theirs are now uh, mortal enemies, you know, uh, our neighbors. Everything is now divided, and it's very tense, and it's actually pretty painful. So when they come to a club, and I tell a joke about Trump... The people that laugh are on one side and the people that don't laugh are on the other. And now people are scared that a civil war is literally going to break out in the club. Um, That's not a good condition for comedy. So either my audience is divided or they don't want to hear about politics anymore because they're just sick of it. There's a fatigue of it at this point. Or they're on the other side, which is they want me to go off about politics. They want me to go off about Trump. But they don't even want me to be funny. They just want me to scream. Also not a good condition for comedy. There's this thing called clapter. It's uh, something that comedians are falling prey to right now. It's very tempting. Um, Clapter is when you make a really good point and everyone claps, but they're not laughing because what you said wasn't funny. It was just something that you believe. Um, I've seen many of my fellow comedians fall ill to this uh, uh, scourge. Um, Again, not a good condition for comedy when you're being tempted. Thank you, sir. Thank you. (sighs) It's tempting. (laughs) The other part of this is um, truth is part of comedy. We like to hold up a mirror to society. We like to show a universal truth um, that unites the audience. But now we can't agree on what truth is anymore. It's hard to know what's real. And um, it's hard to describe and make fun of the shape of the world when a huge portion of your audience literally believes that it's flat. That's a problem. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Another thing about comedians is that we're supposed to be fearless. We're supposed to go up on stage and not have any fear and just take the laughs. Um, But now I have found that me and many of my fellow comedians are actually afraid. And part of that is because online... We get harassed a lot. I get, um, you know, if I say anything political, sometimes it doesn't have to be political at all, I'll get harassed. Some of it's minor, sometimes it's weeks of rape or death threats. And now I have my tour schedule online, and so anyone who's crazy enough to take that threat and make it a reality knows exactly where I'm going to be. So I'm in a situation now where I've actually had to ask people to escort me to my car after shows every time I perform on the road, just in case. That's not good for comedy. To be actually afraid for your life is not good for comedy. Um, Some people say that um, political correctness is ruining comedy. Trump has suggested that as much. But I disagree. Louis C.K. right now uh, is probably performing in a comedy club right near here, even though he sexually assaulted some of my fellow comedians. In fact, if you make a joke about Trump in the wrong place at the wrong time, 
Those, that's where the serious consequences are. You literally have the president of the United States bullying you online, encouraging his followers to go after you. You have the Secret Service stopping you at TSA, uh, screwing your whole life up because you made a joke. You put a wrong picture up online making fun of him. Um, you have your shows canceled because there's credible bomb threats on your shows. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the conditions for comedy aren't good because of all that. Comedians need to feel free to be able to say what they want to say in an environment to break the tension, but to not have the tension break them. So in conclusion, Trump is bad for comedy. (laughs) Thank you, Sarah Schaefer. Our next debater will be arguing against the resolution, Trump is bad for comedy. It's Kurt Anderson, host of Studio 360, best-selling novelist and journalist. Ladies and gentlemen, Kurt Anderson. I just want to stipulate, first off, that our uh, assignment here uh, is about what is bad for comedy, not whether Trump is bad for America. I will stipulate that Trump is bad for civility, justice, decency, democracy, uh, the, the fear ratio that comedians face, and all kinds of things, but not bad for comedy. I also um, uh, want to stipulate or, or explain that here, what we're here to do is, is not prove that Trump is good for comedy, although we happen to think that there's plenty of evidence for that, but that he, he is not bad for it. For it as a thing, not the individual lives of, of comedians or, or um, uh, how difficult it raises, uh, makes, makes comedy sometimes, but, but for comedy and for what the purposes of comedy are in society. Um, and, and by the way, as you're, as you're voting after the thing, if we have convinced you at all that Trump has been good for comedy, that is by definition uh, further evidence that he hasn't been bad for it. So bad for comedy, what does that mean? Uh, we've, we've skirted around that, but, it, but there's two basic meanings that that can have, right? Uh, the creatively, substantively, it, it makes for worse comedy. It degrades the nature level of comedy that's available. And the commercial parts. Is it bad for the comedy industry? Well, the commercial part is easier to quantify and have actual facts to support. So take, for instance, The Late Show uh, with Stephen Colbert. Went on the air September 2015 when Donald Trump wasn't going to get the nomination, when Donald Trump certainly wasn't ever going to be elected president, and foundered, in the, got bad ratings, wasn't doing well, was the show going to last? 16 months later, for the first time ever, uh, the late, uh, late, night with, uh, late show with Stephen Colbert beats uh, what was then the number one show uh, tonight, starring uh, Jimmy Fallon. What, what happened 16 months later? Donald Trump it was Donald Trump's first full week as president. Um, and, and, and as Colbert became the delightful, brilliant, wonderful sort of face of the resistance on late-night television, um, he, he, he assumed that number one role in late-night uh, from then on. He has a third more viewers than the, the, the show hosted by the guy who patted uh, Donald Trump on camera when he came on his uh, show. So... Uh, that's one uh, example. Uh, Saturday Night Live, uh, the, 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 the season of Saturday Night Live that encompassed candidate, nominee, winner, President Trump for the first time, 2016-17, uh, was, had uh, and included my friend and collaborator Alec Baldwin impersonating him, badly or well, you be the judge, uh, 
had the largest audience, Saturday Night Live, for a quarter century. Uh, I think there's a reason for that, and I think it's Donald Trump. Um, it's still happening. This fall's um, uh, first episode in September had, was the highest rated first episode of Saturday Night Live in seven years. So the other part, which is harder to judge, more subjective, which is the creatively, substantively question. I, it seems to me that this president and the crooks and liars who work for him, excuse the Trump bashing, uh, uh, and, and who enable him provide a kind of unprecedented geyser uh, of rich material for political humor and satire. The downside of Donald Trump and these people who work with him is that everybody thinks they're a comedian because it is indeed so obvious and so easy. And even some professional comedians were indulging, as soon as he was running, the huge as a joke, or look, he's orange, and, 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 and easy, bad uh, jokes. Um, because it looked so easy, uh, and because he's such a clown, uh, a scary clown, like all clowns, but still, he's, he, it's, it's, he, he makes comedy seem easy. But in fact, I think, for professional comedians and satirists and humorists, like those who write Veep, um, uh, that actually raises the bar for what they have to do to be successful, that it ups everybody's game in political comedy. Um, so, the delightful and brilliant Sarah aside, I think... What, what Trump does is make life very, very difficult for hack comedians, uh, for uninteresting comedians, and, and raises, this, raises everyone's standards. Um, uh, in that sense, he's certainly good for political comedy. There was a great example just a month ago on Saturday Night Live. Um, the Matt Damon impersonation and performance of uh, Brett Kavanaugh was, for my money, uh, the, the best piece of political comedy I'd seen in a long, long time. Uh, there's no question that that was, uh, to, my, to me, a brilliant piece of political comedy uh, that we have pretty much only Trump to thank for. Uh, uh, and, by the way, it had 22-odd million uh, YouTube views, which, if it were a TV show, it would make it number one. So, also fits the commercially successful bill. Uh, and I don't think, again, from my personal experience, going on the road to, to promote this, this parody Trump memoir with Alec Baldwin last year, these theaters full of people who were so delighted to laugh, not to just clap, and not, but, but if, if Alec fell into his Trump impersonation for five seconds, it wasn't a, a one-man Trump show, it was a discussion where he would occasionally do his impersonation of Trump. There was such a sense of catharsis and pleasure in, in the audience. Uh, it, it certainly convinced me in a visceral way I wouldn't have had from simply staring at a screen all day that the experience of, of comedy about Donald Trump is indeed very gratifying to those who appreciate it. Um, they are dying to laugh uh, in, this, in these troubled, terrible times. And, and uh, to me, yes, the stakes are very, very high, higher than they've ever been, but... Is that bad for comedy? I don't think so. Thanks very much. Thank you, Kurt Anderson. And a reminder of where we are. We are halfway through the opening round of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. I'm John Donvan. We have four debaters, two teams of two, fighting it out over this motion. Trump is bad for comedy. You've heard the first two opening statements, and now on to the third, debating for the motion, P.J. O'Rourke, political satirist and best-selling author. Ladies and gentlemen, P.J. O'Rourke. Well... <clears throat> 
He's certainly wrecked my sense of humor. I mean, we elected this giant infant to the White House, and in the White House, there's, uh, it's like having a loaded handgun in the home, you know, uh, except worse. It's the button, and, and sooner or later, this overgrown toddler is going to find it and set off all the nukes, and we're all going to die. Okay? But it's worse for me, because I'm a Republican. Now, Try and put yourself in my place. I know this is New York. You're probably not Republicans. You're probably liberal Democrats. But, but aren't liberals supposed to be full of empathy for others? So try to empathize with me. Just for a I'm, I'm a moderate Republican. I'm a moderate Republican. Don't think basket of deplorables. Think gift basket of deplorables, okay? <laughs> Yummy tax breaks and the fine wine of social tolerance arrayed on a lovely bed of fiscal conservatism, Okay. I'm just an old-fashioned country club Republican, not even an exclusive country club. Uh, it, it, everybody's welcome. Our golf course looks like, like, like Caddyshack would if the gopher ate Bill Murray. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it, then I wake up and I find out that the one person on earth who would be blackballed at my country club is President of the United States. And he cheats at golf. That is not funny. We Republicans don't have many principles, but we're firmly opposed to cheating at golf. It is bad for the American way of life. Now, I'm not asking you to vote in favor of, of, of tonight's resolution out of any personal empathy for me. Uh, using simple logic, I can prove that our debate motion is, is, is true. One, one syllogism, one syllogism. Major, major proposition, Trump is bad for the American way of life. Minor proposition, the American way of life is comical. Uh, conclusion, Trump is bad for comedy, QED. <laughs> now, mind you, we're not debating the question, is Trump funny? I mean, what I do for a living, or try to do for a living, is to use comedy as a journalistic technique for covering serious stories such as the President of the United States, and I give up. It is impossible to be funnier than this President of the United States. I've had some success in the past. I was funnier than Jimmy Carter. Uh, but I, I, I'm just not funny enough to be funnier than President Trump. Now, as to whether President Trump is funny on purpose, that is to say, is Trump crazy? Is he crazy like a fox? Or is he crazy like Fox News? I, my sense of humor fails me. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, but Trump is funny. I, I, he, he, let me quote something from Joe Pesci in the movie Godfellas. Goodfellas, I'm sorry, Goodfellas. I'm funny how? I mean, I'm funny like a clown. I amuse you. I make you laugh. I'm here to effing amuse you. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? That's how Trump is funny. <laughs> there are three kinds of humor. The three kinds of humor. Parody, where you make fun of people who are smarter than you are. Satire, where you make fun of people who are better than you are. And burlesque, where you do both while taking off your clothes. Now... <laughs> Trump is not a fit subject for any of these three kinds of humor, especially the last one. I mean, please, President Trump, keep your clothes on. And I suggest that anyone who comes near President Trump also stay buttoned up and something could get, <laughs> something could get grabbed. <laughs> Actually, Trump is worse than funny. He's worse than funny. He, he, he thinks he's funny. Uh, and, and thinking you're funny does not produce comedy. Uh, I, I tell you this as someone who once said to an ex-wife, but what if the kid has my looks and your brains? Um, funny itself isn't so funny, okay? Funny, funny is actually 
kind of useless. I mean, humor is our response to the terrifying existential void. Humor comes to the fore when events render us impotent, and as men my age know, all events eventually do. We laugh when we don't know what else to do, but I would argue that Donald Trump is not someone who ever leaves us in a position of not knowing what else to do. Vote, for one thing. We can mock Trump, of course, or can we? I mean, Donald Trump does a better Donald Trump than Alec Baldwin ever has, you know? And we can mock Trump supporters, because I'm sure they can take a joke, you know? Don't, don't, don't laugh right along with us, right? You know, pretty soon they'll be giggling and saying, oh, ha, 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 I guess you were right all along. Here, you wear the red hat, you know? Trump is a joke, but you you can't make a joke about a joke or you quit being the comedian on the stage and start being the heckler in the crowd because you're angry. Comedy, of course, has a lot to do with anger. Comedy is a way of sublimating anger, a way of diverting anger, a way of turning anger aside, which brings us to the real question of tonight's debate, a serious question. Should we sublimate our anger at Donald Trump? Should we divert our anger? Should we turn our anger aside? Or should that anger spur us to do something, something not funny but useful? Should we be trying to understand why our fellow Americans elected this idiot? Why Should we be trying to figure out a way to persuade our fellow Americans never to do anything that stupid again? Or should we be laughing our asses off? Thank you. Thank you, P.J. O'Rourke. And our final debater against the resolution, Trump is bad for comedy, is Billy Kimball, writer and Emmy Award-winning producer for Veep. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Kimball. Thank you. Uh, I do want to thank Intelligence Squared for inviting me to uh, be here tonight to argue the premise that Donald Trump is not bad for comedy, uh, an issue I have felt passionately about for over a quarter of a century. Uh, As my colleague Kurt pointed out, we're not here. The bar for us, for our team, is not to to argue that Donald Trump is good for comedy, though though I'll take that position at least partially, but that simply that he's not bad for comedy. And in that regard, I I would ask you all to consider the, the contrapositive situation in which we might have found ourselves at this point if things had gone very differently on Election Day 2016, which is that we would have um, perhaps President Jeb Bush or President Marco Rubio or President Hillary Clinton or even President Bernie Sanders. Uh, Would any of those people, with maybe the possible exception of Bernie, have been... (laughs) have been better for comedy uh, than Donald Trump? I don't think so. I think we would be in a situation where we would uh, see um, not only the shows that that Kurt brought up with significantly lower ratings, but conceivably some of them off the air altogether. Uh, So, and the other question is, so when we talk about... You know, as as Kurt pointed out, we're not arguing uh, whether Donald Trump is good or bad, and we're not arguing whether Donald Trump is good or bad at comedy. But I would argue that Donald Trump, whether or not you think he's funny, uh, uses comedy, particularly ridicule, uh, very effectively. And 
So in that sense, he's good for comedy uh, in that he's proven in a way that many people haven't, uh, particularly the large amount of, of topical comedy that operates inside what um, I think Eli Pariser coined it, uh, the phrase a filter bubble, but essentially uh, preaching to the choir. Donald Trump actually gets his audience and possibly some people on the fringes of his audience worked up and on his side and changes their minds by virtue of the way that he uses uh, ridicule. And that is not something that happens perhaps as often as those of us who work in comedy like to think it does. Uh, I'm not sure if Jonathan Swift um, ended the potato famine. I, I have a feeling that maybe if we looked into it carefully, we would find out that he didn't. Uh, I'm not sure what uh, Horace and Juvenal did and whether um, people at the time thought they were a laugh riot and took to the streets in an actual riot in response to anything they wrote. But Donald Trump's uh, use of, of, of uh, ridicule, of sort of visible contempt, whether or not you think it's funny, whether or not you think it's particularly good comedy, is inarguably, I would say, a form of comedy. And I think an example that maybe is top of mind for a lot of us here tonight, because it's comparatively recent, is his uh, referring to Senator Elizabeth Warren as Pocahontas, which one person seems to think is funny, uh, but the rest of you, maybe not so much. And, and I'm not going to express an opinion about that as, a, as an acknowledged professional in the, in the area, but I'll say it, it forced her to do something, take a DNA test and then deliver a phone book of results, uh, which I would say, at least at this point, appears to have been a terrible error, possibly one that's, that may be disqualifying in terms of her ambitions to be president. Uh, so that's an effective use of comedy that uh, is good for comedy in that it proves its, its potency, but which perhaps is a bad thing in every other way that, uh, that you can think of. <laughs> However... If you agree with that premise, I believe you still have to uh, support uh, our side of, uh, of the argument. So I'll um, turn back the, uh, the last minute of my time uh, to uh, the debate, which I think you're probably all waiting for. I will uh, report to you listening on radio or on the podcast that our opponents uh, have left the stage. <laughs> and... I don't know. They were shaking their heads, and we're just going to try and, uh, and carry on. So, uh, so vote uh, no. Donald Trump is not bad for comedy. That's what we're for? Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Billy Campbell. And that concludes round one of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate, where our resolution is Trump is bad for comedy. Keep in mind, please, how you voted at the top of the evening. I want to remind you again, we're going to ask you to vote a second time after you've heard all of the arguments and reminding you also that it's going to be the difference between the first and the second vote that determines who is our winner. Now we move on to round two, and in round two, the debaters address one another directly, and they take questions from me and from you, our live audience here at the K Playhouse in New York City. The team arguing for the resolution, Trump is bad for comedy, Sarah Schaefer and P.J. O'Rourke, are saying that conditions for comedy 
under the Trump era have turned sour, that when we cannot disagree on the truth, you can't really set up the premise of a joke in the first place. Comics are actually afraid. They're being harassed. The president's response to comedy is having a chilling effect in comedy clubs. Um, They're saying it is impossible to be funnier than Trump. And also they ask the question, in the face of the phenomena of the Trump era, is comedy itself actually the most appropriate response. The team arguing against the resolution, Kurt Anderson and Billy Campbell, they're saying it's, the issue isn't whether uh, comedy, uh, Trump is good for comedians, but whether it is good for comedy. They're saying yes, from the point of view of how the industry is doing. They point to the ratings of shows, late night talk shows that have been focusing on Trump and how well they're doing, how well Saturday Night Live has been doing. They also put, uh, talk about the, the creative levels that have been reached. While conceding that there's a lot of bad comedy about Trump, they say that that plethora of bad comedy about Trump actually raises the bar for good comedy about Trump and that people are meeting that bar. Um, Trump himself, they say, is engaging in comedy, and that's part of the whole process as well. And bottom line, they say, because of Trump, audiences today are dying to laugh. So we're going to peel a lot of that back, and I want to start with this question of the audiences, because both sides have taken different points of view on what on what audiences want, what they're primed for, how they're responding, and how they're reacting. And Sarah, I want to take it back to you, that this notion that audiences are dying to laugh that Kurt Anderson laid out. You, you challenged that, to, I think, to some degree in your opening statement, so take a response to that. Um, yeah, what, I mean, I took a little issue with the wording. It's like, you know, people are actually dying because of Trump. Um, <laughs> so they're not dying to laugh, maybe. But um, I feel like... Uh, there, it depends on the audience. You know, the people coming to see Alec Baldwin are coming to see him because they like what he's done, you know, regarding Trump. So I'm coming at it from, like, I'm getting really a mix of people when I perform. And, and it's not partisan. I really think a lot of people just don't want you to bring up politics right now in a comedy club or in a way that seems attacking. But right now, even just a mention of something seems attacking. Um, I feel like people come to a comedy... It's the only art form that people show up to. They'll go, let's go see comedy tonight. And they won't research what kind of comedy it is. So I'll get people in the audience leaving um, if they feel like I'm not on their side or heckling in a way that's very political. Um, And then then I'm angry. Um, And now I don't know what to do with that anger... Uh, necessarily in the moment. You hope to be talented enough to turn it into a hilarious joke, but sometimes that's really difficult in the moment. Um, So yeah, I think, yes, people need to laugh right now. They do. They need a release. I just take issue with that Trump jokes are necessarily the way to do that. Take that to Kurt Anderson. Um, Again, when we talk about comedy, it's not all one thing that has to be uh, has have its maximum appeal to everybody, whether they're Trump supporters, whether they're Trump haters, or whomever. All comedy, it seems to me, or nearly all comedy and humor and satire. We're not only talking about stand-up, perform comedy. Uh, has has you know an audience, and so the audience for political humor uh, may, may not be you know most of of many of your audiences, but there is obviously. A, a, and in my more limited experience, this fervent desire for for Trump comedy, for better or for worse. I, I would also say that the, to the idea that, oh, Trump is too terrible and Trumpism is too terrible 
for, for to, to deal with in a comedic fashion. I mean, one of the greatest movies of all time, To Be or Not to Be, about made fun of Nazis during, the world, during world War II. The great film, the great Stanley Kubrick film, uh, Dr. Strangelove, made fun of the end of the world in the nuclear Armageddon at the height of the Cold War. So the idea that, that somehow because this guy and, and, and what he represents and the movement he is leading is, is, is so terrible, which I gladly stipulate, is not to me an argument that like, nope, okay. comedy and humor is not the way to go. PJ work to respond to that? Well, I was thinking about in Chaplin's uh, The Great Dictator, uh, uh, Kubrick, uh, uh, the same thing, is that um, uh, those, those works of art, those comic works of art, um, offered a, an alternative view to the standard view that was on deck at, 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 at the time. And in that sense, I would say that, that having been like a, a teenager when um, Dr. Strangelove came out, that it actually sort of changed my mind or made me actually think about what the prospect of nuclear war actually uh, 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 might mean. And that's why you became a pro-war guy, I guess. <laughs> that took years and years. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't until the draft was over that I became pro-war. <laughs> Got to keep an eye out for Yes, but what, I, what I'm concerned about, and I think it sort of degrades comedy, uh, is that uh, merely making mock of someone, especially someone who has a large popularity base, and not only making mock of them, but making mock of the people who like them, uh, is probably not uh, doing a service to humanity. And then, and then, of course, you come to the question, is comedy supposed to do a service to humanity? As a former editor of National Lampoon, obviously the answer was no with that. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I couldn't stand too firmly on the idea that, that, that comedy ought to do a service of, uh, uh, to humanity. But it's worth giving a thought. And, and, and mere mockery is not changing any minds. If anything, I would say that mockery of Trump supporters is probably solidifying his support. What do you think of that argument, Billy Campbell? Uh, I think you're talking to me, Billy Kimball. I'm, I've done that twice. Billy um, Kimball, yeah. Can I ask you the question again so that we can edit it as though that never happened? Sure. What do you think of that, Billy Kimball? Oh, uh, I'm so glad you, ha- you asked yes. me, John. <laughs> John Gonvin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, I don't know for certain whether or not uh, Trump's ridicule uh, changes mind in the immediate present. I think the fact that he has uh, a penchant for that kind of contemptuous behavior is something that people like about him. And, you know, before Trump emerged as a political candidate, there was no Trump base uh, to speak of. So that's an aspect of his personality I think has drawn people to him. And whether or not it's it's, it's changed minds. It certainly has proven politically effective and is, is sort so of your, essential your to his appeal. H-bombs are good for nuclear power. I, um, you got yes. me. <laughs> well, you know, and I actually I think that that is a strong argument. I mean, Trump does very effectively use humor. Uh, and, and then we're going to have to fall back on that. That you know, intellectual and moral puzzle of the definition of what bad. Yeah, well, I I didn't make the question. Remember, I yeah, I, I have I, to no, win whatever I, way whatever I. way I can. <laughs> yeah. And you know, yeah. it's I mean, philosophers have debated for millennia what the what the definition of of the good is, but um, we've come up with a couple that it's good for 
commercially for late night comedy, um, that it's good for uh, making, uh, demanding a higher standard of comedy in general. And so... Uh, Let's take on the higher you know, standard can, argument. Can, so, one, one second, though. But can, okay. can I spill this? Is we're backstage, and the four of us agreed that all four of us could argue either side of this question. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? You lied. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, no, will deny that to, to his dying day. <laughs> but I, I, I no. swear that's what uh, I have it on my watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's, oh, you it's you see what he's doing here, people. Yeah. Don't yeah. don't fall for this. Yeah. Sarah, Sarah, what about <laughs> Sarah Schaefer? What about the the point that Billy Kimball just made? That mm-hmm. uh, that um, and, and also Kurt Anderson made it that it because there's so much bad Trump comedy, it actually raises the bar for good comedy, and that good comedy is happening. The bar's being met. Sure. I mean, you know, Kurt suggested that I'm a hack, um, and that's fine. Um, <laughs> I, I think he carved out an exclusion. I know you yeah. did. He knows where he lives. <laughs> but no, I, I mean, I agree. It is. It is sets a higher standard, I guess, in that the, the pool is flooded and you have to separate yourself. If you're going to do a Trump joke, it has to be different. And that, of course, is a challenge. But that doesn't mean that you know, that's, that's kind of the case with whatever is the big thing in the news at the time or what the zeitgeist is. You know, there's a point where everybody's making the same joke and you have to make sure you're not, that your joke is unique to your point of view. That's how you sort of like buttress off like um, being hacky is making sure it's unique to your voice. Um, I think oftentimes when comedians are c- accused of stealing jokes, it's because they're usually doing a joke that's pretty broad that anybody could say. But um, I think for Trump, you know, I'm just going to always go back to the fact that, like, yeah, um, you know, movie making fun of Hitler, great, but I would have rather have ha- not had Hitler. Do you know what I'm saying? So, like, that's... I think we can agree on that. Yeah, I know <laughs> I think we... all four of us well, But that, for me, that is... To me, Trump is bad for comedy because Trump is bad for the world. I can't get around that. You know, it just always comes back to that for me. I, I mean, I do think there was, to, to uh, the, the argument I was making earlier about um, other presidents, I mean, I think we can look at a, uh, moving, r- moving rapidly past whether or not we're pro or against Hitler. Um, <laughs> Uh, I do think we can look at uh, a, a particular low watermark in in what I guess you could call political comedy, but only barely, which was which was the Clinton presidency when when you know, Jay Leno did did two and a half years of of Monica Lewinsky jokes, which I have to believe I don't I don't know this for a fact, but that you know he was sick of very quickly. But that was what constituted political comedy in that in that moment. And what you have with Trump is this. You had a single subject under under Clinton that dominated all others, and with Trump, you have this you know frequently commented on kind of cornucopia of hourly uh, uh, riches uh, of things to use as as an actual premise and i 'd say in that regard um, it 's not simply raising the bar uh, uh, in terms of, of demanding a higher quality, but it's also a much more vigorous workout for comics. And, and let me just, I think, since I think specific examples of great comedy that come out of this are, are useful, and ones that maybe a lot of people have seen, I think of another Saturday Night Live sketch from before his election, uh, one of the, this, this uh, series of sketches they do called Black Jeopardy, uh, where where the the basic premise is, and it was a beautifully done, incredibly sympathetic, the absolute opposite of ridicule of Trump supporters that 
um, PJ warned about, where Tom Hanks plays a Trump supporter who finds, along with the black contestants on Black Jeopardy, that they have a lot in common. It was, it was a genius piece of writing and, 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 and made people of all sorts, I think, think, if not more sympathetically, at least differently, and perhaps more sympathetically, about the, the, the set of, of, of uh, mental habits that led people to... to uh, to, to be Trump supporters, and that, that makes these apparently very different people all American. So there, and, and I could go on. There, there are, there well, are examples of brilliant comedy out of the Trump so nightmare. Let me take the, that point to Sarah Schaefer. So what your opponents are saying is they're citing some examples. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking, I think, about a broader experience, but it's, yeah. it's firsthand. So what do you make? doesn't look like the other um, <laughs> in this yeah, what do you, panel. But. What do you make of the fact that they can point to some great examples? Does that, does that nail um, the case for them? Yeah, of course. I mean, I laughed at all those things, and I think there's been definitely, I, I mean, there's been some really brilliant comedy um, about Trump, um, some of which include my own jokes about him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I think, like my friend, a uh, very funny comedian, Kurt Brownler, has a really funny joke about Trump right now and he put it online and it was like really popular online. And I asked him, I said, what's your experience like? Like, have you, do you, that joke is so funny and obviously you're killing with that joke in that video at that club, but what's it been like for you? And he was like, oh, it's so hard. I have to put that joke at the very end so that we can all disperse, you know? Um, he goes online, it's doing great. In clubs, it's a whole different ballgame. So what, what is the, what, what, how do we assess the fact that there are a significant number of Americans who do not want to hear Trump mocked, who don't like the jokes, who are going to tune out of those shows? And, and I want to cite something that uh, Caitlin Flanagan wrote in The Atlantic, where she made the argument that to that part of the audience, hearing Jimmy Kimmel and Stephen Colbert and Seth Meyers not only mock Trump, but essentially mocking them turns them into Trump supporters. What do you, you know, Billy Kimball, what do, what do you make of that? Well, I, th- I think it's, it's been uh, fitted into a larger narrative of, of coastal elites, Hollywood people don't get us, that, uh, that Trump himself has, has um, cleverly exploited. Um, but I think you're, you're uh, uh, not just issue a small reprimand, I think you're off topic um, the question was not whether comedy was good for Trump, which I, uh, the question is whether or not Trump... Or America. Or America. The question is whether or not Trump is, uh, is bad for comedy. I, I think, um, however, I think that particular uh, straw man of, of, you know, Jimmy Kimmel making fun of the president we love um, would be replaced very readily in the, pub- in the Trump-loving public's mind well, with let, something else if Jimmy Kimmel weren't doing what Jimmy let Kimmel me, Let me reframe it to say that if your, if your comedy is turning off a significant part of the audience, is that bad or good for comedy or indifferent? Well, uh, we, we, uh, consumers of comedy um, select their comedy very carefully. They don't, uh, you know, uh, I'm not sure how many Trump pro-Trump comedians are out there um, on the circuit, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know that Trump lovers uh, necessarily spend lots of time watching Jimmy Kimmel and yelling at the television. You know, they, they, everybody's got a remote control these days, and uh, I think they're probably uh, more... Uh, have an idea in their mind of what Jimmy Kimmel does as opposed to actually watching Jimmy Kimmel every night and becoming enraged by him. 
PJ, do you want to respond to that? Yeah, I, uh, I, it is interesting that, that one of the points we, we're, we're coming up against here is the focused audience as opposed to the, to the diverse audience or the inclusive audience. And um, I would argue that while the humor uh, uh, to be had out of the Clinton administration, and there was plenty of it, was fairly, you know, uh, fairly concentrated in its subject, Monica Lewinsky, uh, but uh, uh, it kind of reached out to everybody, including Clinton supporters. It was hard not when 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 Bill got really foolish acting. It was hard not to laugh at Bill, even if you voted for him and were going to vote for him again and intended to vote for his wife later. Um, and in that respect, uh, uh, it, it was not nearly as divisive, and it was also g- good comedy in the sense that. Um, uh, that it, it, it showed us what we had in common. It had that Jeopardy. Uh, I mean, one of the reasons your example of that Black Jeopardy skit is so powerful is it is such an exception to most humor, either b- about or by Trump. Uh, very different. In most of the humor about, about the Clintons brought us all together in our... In brought us all together in our shared affection for blowjob jokes. You said that. I did not say that. <laughs> See, but the um, thing about, about what was true in 1993 and 96 and, and a generation, more than a generation ago, is, is there were not 500 cable channels. There was essentially not yet an Internet. The, could be the a, culture, the culture had not been fractured and balkanized. So impressive. you can complain about that, yeah. but that's not... Again, that's not unique to comedy, and again, that's not the it's another, question of whether it's, it's, Trump is bad for comedy. One of the, one of the problems that I have with Trump is that he tends to move us off into serious subjects, and I don't – subjects that aren't very good comedy material, one of which is balkanization of culture. I mean, there are jokes to be made, but it's not a laugh riot. Uh, another thing is the, is the, the nature of, of – of, um, uh, of populism, both as it manifests itself on the right and on the left. The the nature of populism itself, which brings us to the question of, like, the the total expansion of of government to the point where government claims to have uh, some sort of answer to everybody's problem, able to provide every kind of justice, not just legal justice, but economic justice and emotional justice, and so on, therefore fails, therefore everyone is angry at the government. You see how this is not leading to a comedy routine, you know, but it does lead to... I think, it, I, think I feel like we're slipping into our libertarian debate. <laughs> yes, yes, we are. We and are and if, if we're going to change the, 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 top, the, the, the proposal that Trump is bad for America, Trump is bad no, but for we're not. We're, we are not. populism... We're not. We are I'm not doing that. that. We're, we're not doing that. that. But I want to bring it back to Sarah just to button up this point of when there's a large part of the audience that doesn't want to hear the joke. Is that relevant to this question of Trump being bad for comedy? Um, yeah, because I think that um, if you want to be a, a wildly successful comedian, you do have to reach past the bubble that you're in. Mm-hmm. And as much as I would love for my audiences to be filled with just one type of person who thinks just like me, I think I would get bored with that and it would just be too easy. I'd like to try and be funny to as many people as possible. I think that's every stand-up comedy comedian's goal. Um, and Trump is making that really hard and fractured a little bit. Um, and I'll just finally just say one more thing. I have to say this, but like, Billy, you know, you argued like Trump used the word Pocahontas, which is a racist slur, um, to make a joke about Elizabeth Warren. And um, Trump, to me, uses comedy not effective. Yes, it's effective, but he uses it as a weapon and a defense. So he uses it to rile up hate, and he uses it um, to punch down, and then he'll 
when someone goes and shoots up a synagogue, he's like, well, I was just kidding. And it's like, it feels insane. So no, in that way, to me, Trump is bad for comedy. And it's, you know, bad sucks. Bad reputation. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. again, stipulating that Trump is bad. We are all agreed. But to the point of, that Billy made earlier of, of this weaponized comedy proving for the first time after debate as long as I've been aware of the idea of humor and satire and comedy that, whoa, does this actually have any political effect? Yes, it does. And I I think back to the person who was my favored Democratic candidate until last October when his life changed was Al Franken, thinking, my God, this guy could, could, could take it to this president where he lives uh, and be both serious and substantive and fair and rational and all the things that Al Franken is, but also not attempt something he has no ability at, as Marco Rubio did about the short fingers during the campaign. So, so I mean, Trump has indeed weaponized comedy. Um, he, he's also tweeting back to comics. Well, and, and, and I'm wondering, if you're a comic, do you think, wow, I got a response from the president, that's really good for my comedy, and therefore it's good for comedy? No. No, okay. <laughs> uh, I, I will, I'm going to address that in my closing argument. Okay, we'll hold off on that. <laughs> one, one other thing I want to do before we go to audience questions is I want to refer back to something that Kurt said in his opening, that there's a, the, the, the Trump and the circle around him provide this geyser of material. I want to get to the point that things move very, very fast. I mean, the news media is having difficulty with how fast things move, how, how, how something that Trump does on Monday might be the material for a news story, but also a joke. But on Tuesday, it's already 100 years old, whatever happened on Monday. And, and Billy Campbell, you, you know, Billy Kimball, you're, I, I'm sorry, I have a friend named Billy Campbell, and it's stuck in my head, and I'm going to bring it well, up. Well, we all later. have friends, but we don't <laughs> we, have to come to the Danny and Sylvia K. Theater to brag about it. Go on. Uh, I'm going to let that land and enjoy. There. Um, the, the pace that things are moving and the point that your opponent, P.J. O'Rourke, made before that, that Trump is the joke. For, for the program, for example, that you're doing, when you're, you're, you deal in absurdity and, there's, and, as you said before, you try to rhyme with what's going on, but what, what's going on is moving so fast. Does that raise a particular challenge to do comedy well in the Trump era? Yeah, it does. I mean, it, it genuinely does. And, and uh, I mean, I, I can't give too many examples because I'm sworn to secrecy about what happens in our current season, but... Uh, I, we do fine. Well, actually, it's okay. It's just us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, for, for example, there was a, um, in the previous season, one of our scripts, there was a, a comment, a, a joke about the, the show's, shows uh, uh, among other things, very dirty. And uh, if anyone is listening on NPR with small children in their car, you might want to change the channel. But there was a joke about a, a golden shower. Probably most children listening will be fine with that. Uh, and uh, uh, it sounds nice. And, uh, and, and we had to go back and edit it out after that became a, a, a topic related to Trump. We never, in a, I mean, who would have thought that we would have had to remove a reference to a golden shower in Veep because the president would somehow beat us to it? Uh, and... And that sort of thing, I will say, you're, you're absolutely right. It does happen with this incredible Klondike of, of uh, material. Um, I'll say, if, speaking strictly personally, um, Trump has made our job on Veep um, uh, a little bit harder. Trump has been bad for the process of comedy uh, as it bears on, on what we do in some respects. But no pain, no gain. 
But exactly, yeah, we're, we're bigger and better. And I want to go to audience questions. The way it will work is if you raise your hand, I'll choose you, a microphone will be brought to you. Please stand up, tell us your name, or at least your first name, and come out with a very short question. Really make it a question. Don't debate with the debaters, please. And right down there. Um, yep, that's, that's correct. If you could stand up, thanks. Um, hi, I'm Grace. Hi. Um, I think uh, other frequent consumers of Intelligence Square debates would agree that this has probably been one of the funnier debates we've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> um, so given that truth, how is this debate um, either evidence for or against your proposition? Ooh, meta. Um, that, that's exactly what I said when they asked me to do it. I was like, well, arguing this, I'm going to be funny because, I mean, a little. Um, <laughs> I'm not killing tonight, which is really in my head right now, but... Um, I, I actually said that. I was like, well, just by nature, I'm going to try to be funny on stage, and then that's going to go against my own point. So, <laughs> I mean, I concede that, you know. But. Kurt, you'd like to respond to the question? Um, I, I'm sorry, I didn't hear the full question, but, uh, but I can infer the question from <laughs> Sarah's response. Uh, yeah, the, the question was, we're having a, a lot of laughs tonight, uh-huh. uh, talking about Trump and comedy. Does that mean, I think... Case closed? Yeah, <laughs> case closed is what you're saying. Um, yeah. Well, I, I think it actually, yes, goes to, to that. It is evidence for that. Um, uh, and I, too, will defer, as Sarah did earlier, about things I don't want to say about to that that uh, I'm saving for my, my powerful, powerful closing <laughs> argument. But um, right. Nobody's going to leave. It's going to um, be amazing. Uh, but, I, 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 you know, I, uh, I, I think it is, and, and the laughs that Sarah and PJ have gotten each time, I have uh, quietly and silently applauded as... <laughs> as, as Further, further uh, disproving their proposition. Okay, another question, um, sir. Uh, st- if you stand up, uh... Richard here. Uh, this, I think, to Sarah, Miss Schaefer first. A lot of the items you identify for the problems you encounter out on the road um, go beyond comedy and the divisiveness, the reluctance to put certain things on the table and so forth. If it is, are you suggesting that the topic is simply off limits? Or why, what is different from it being off limits for comedy, as you suggest, and not off limits for criticism? Because if one of the functions of comedy is to criticize, that suggests it's just off limits altogether. Right. Um... I'm always of the camp that nothing is off limits in comedy, even stuff that um, is really offensive or whatever. I mean, if you're going to go, f- if you're going to try to make a joke about something offensive, that's on you. You have to deal with whatever the audience reaction is going to be. Um, so I think no, Trump is definitely not off limits. I think it's just it's sort of like a plague. You know, it's like kind of toxic. It's difficult to do. And yes, it does speak to like, oh, you have to raise your standards. But sometimes it's like, what am I trying? to do here, um, what point am I trying to make, and is, is a joke about Trump, like for me personally, just so you know, like my jokes right now are about what it's like to be an American, as opposed to about Donald Trump. That's my way of dealing with it, so. Okay, I, uh, the question was addressed to Sarah, if the other side would like to respond, they can, or I can move on. Okay, I'll, I'll move on. I think Ken was correct. Okay. <laughs> Down here on the Mike's coming up from behind you. 
Hi, Adina here. Um, when I ask, or when I ask myself if something is good for something else, I have to think of sustainability. So think of the analogy, is coffee good for energy level? If I'm a huge coffee addict, I'm certainly going to feel great when I drink it, but I'm going to have a crash that I wouldn't have had later. And if I don't drink it the next day, I'm going to have a really bad headache and my energy level would not be what it would be if I weren't a coffee addict. To your point about the numbers happening on in the industry of television comedy now, what happens when we take Trump, Trump away? Can the industry even stand on its own two feet? Dina, come up here uh. and join the team. <laughs> Get her up. We, we, can we take, can, can we put uh. Dina on our? That is certainly Donald Trump's argument, who says again and again and again, the media needs me. The media needs me. That's why I'll be reelected. The media will make sure I'm reelected. So that is Donald Trump's argument. And I, I think you make a great point about sustainability. And to that point, I would say, yes, a second term of Trump would be bad for comedy. We're not there yet. Thank goodness. Do, do you want to pick up on that, or you've already made your point oh, that you really I, like that I, question? No, 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 Dina made our point. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to see if I'm not seeing any signs, hands up in the back, but uh, I'm not. So right down in the second row here, please. Hi, my name is David. Um, when I think of comedy, I think of it as a consumer. You guys are talking about it from a supply side. So what it's like to tell joke, what it's like to work in the industry, the com commercial ratings that come from it. But as a consumer, I feel like I win when there's a rich, diverse number of things that can make me laugh. I feel like right now, most of the jokes are very centered, and they're all variations on just a few themes. I don't feel like comedy is winning because I don't think we have that diversity right now. Let's okay, Dave on our team. <laughs> we, got, we, got, we, right. have, we have better team members in the audience than we've got. Yeah, I, I, I just I thank you for your comment, but I, I want to discourage comments because um, we, well, really we really want to get them to like, get to new we, stuff. So. so do you want to rephrase it as, do you think comedy is... <laughs> Yeah. Just put and, a question and, Yes, Alex. Alex. Yeah. Right down in the center. If you could stand up, ma'am. I think better if the mic... Okay, it's coming on from, from that side. Hi, I'm Barbara. Would you agree that Trump... The jokes are not about Trump, but Trump is really a concept, and it's about everything that relates to him. Uh, Sean Spicer... Sarah Sanders, the female Tom Carvel. I mean, she's... <laughs> in other words, he has spawned a whole bunch of incompetence around him that are all ripe but, for the but, jokes. But I, I, I know you're laying out a premise, but is it going to lead us to whether Trump is good or bad for comedy, for them to debate that question? Well, the thing is that... Yes. The thing is that... Isn't he good I'm not for convinced yet, so... <laughs> <laughs> isn't he good for comedy because he has actually broadened the cast the of characters yeah i'll take it um let's i think that's a challenge well, to decide our hearing you know the th for. thing is you know to get really technical and legally lawyerly about this comedy in in, in it, it is comedy implies a happy ending i'm not seeing one here I, I would say that's a, like, like the core of our argument on this. I mean, Aristotelian aesthetics, when you're talking about what comedy is and what tragedy is, comedy, divine comedy, is not a lot of laughs, uh, 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 especially as you get through, through, through Purgatorio and Paradiso. Um, 
but, uh, but it has a happy ending. And I'm just not seeing a happy ending in that. And so just on that, even though he has spawned many comic characters, and we comedians, we supply side people thank him for that. Uh, uh, I would not say it's good for comedy in the sense... Well, that, that, it's, it's good for dark comedy, uh, which rarely has or often doesn't have happy endings. So we can get into the debate about various flavors and strains of yes, comedy. But yeah, we could. I mean, I would Plus say not. that, that uh, you know, the... The ancillary characters often have served that purpose in previous administrations, so the president himself, or, or I was going to say herself, but what am I talking about? Um, when, the, when the president was colorless or, or somehow less interesting, you know, you had, you had your, your, your Billy Carters and your, your Dick Cheney's, and, uh, you know, so that's always an aspect to it, but I think, just not to reward his misbehavior, but to ask, to, to David's point, we, we all need to remember as we talk about that the premise actually isn't even political comedy, but there's a whole realm of comedy that's going on out, and outside of the political world that, that is in various, uh, uh, you know, uh, degrees of, of historical uh, goodness or badness, but... While a lot of comedy is Trump, uh, not all comedy is Trump, and there's plenty of other things out, out there that are going on, and, and comedians who you work with, I'm sure, are doing, still doing, I hope, you know, airline humor, and, uh, and if, they don't, if they don't choose to engage on, on Trump, yeah. they, can, they can just deal with audiences on that, on that uh, traditional ground. Yeah, absolutely. Sir, do you, do you want to add to that, or you just, you just agree? Um, no, I mean, I do agree that, like, you know, I, I know some comedians who just steer clear, and that's their brand, and that's what they do, and they're doing pretty well right now, I think, um, with audiences. You know, there's, like, a relief. Like, but one thing I've noticed when I do tell a political joke is I'll get this kind of laugh, like, laugh, and then, ah, like that noise at the end, because the reality sinks in. Like, it's funny, but I'm scared, you know? Um, Sarah, is it also so, the case that there are liberals who don't want to hear Trump jokes? Absolutely. In all of my audiences, there's people that I can tell they're just... Now, look, I can't tell, usually, by looking at someone. Now, there's some guys in the audience that you're like, oh, Lord, that's a Trump supporter. Um, <laughs> you can just tell by the way they look at me. Um, but... No, you really can't tell who people are in the audience. Um, you can tell by the way they react to certain jokes um, or if they heckle or verbal or roll their eyes in a certain way. But um, I have heard from liberal audiences, like, you know, feedback, like, uh, I just don't want to hear about this stuff right now. I just want to laugh about something else. Okay. Um, the it's, it's no laughing matter reaction. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Sir, on the aisle. Hi, I'm Alex. I mean, you touched on that. What about the deterrent effect? People are literally being threatened with death for making jokes. So if that continues, what number of comedians or writers would just say, screw it, I'll do airline jokes? Isn't that bad for comedy? It's a very speculative question, but I, I think it probably is one everybody's thinking about. Is the thing that you're talking about, Sarah, like going to grow or not? And so much of this depends on venue. I mean, I, yeah. I don't think Veep's ever going to be in trouble in that way. Um, or, or a novelist, but l let's, let's chew on that question just for a little bit, since it is speculative. I mean, do you see, well, I mean, are you foreseeing yeah. that this thing is going to go so that people are just going to bail out of that? I mean, I think it depends on the person. Some comedians get off on pissing people off, and that's their thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not like that. Um, I think, you know, there was, there was a recently a sort of like alt-right 
uh, campaign to dig back through comedians' posts on Twitter to find them making inappropriate jokes and trying to ruin their lives um, over that. And there's the left has done that stuff too, so I don't want to um, make it one-sided. But um, I think there's a sort of weaponization of outrage and an easy target is a comedian because especially online where you can't, uh, if you dig back and see a tweet from 10 years ago, the context was different. You can't read the context necessarily. It's just words out of context from a long time ago and now they're offensive or now we don't like those words. And that has been something that's also come into play that's, and that's not necessarily a Trump thing. That's like an outrage thing. Um, mm-hmm. But Trump definitely plays into that, I think, because he, he taps into it. He's very good at using keywords and things to get people riled up and, you know. We are in an atmosphere of taboo inflation. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And it's coming from both political, all political directions. Uh, I, I would say that we're on a point of kind of a, a new sort of prudery in our society. Um, so that's not, a, that's not a Trump-driven thing. I'm not so sure that Trump, that Trump isn't part of it. More and more things are becoming taboo to talk about. Yeah. I would say it's the other way around. I'd say I think you're right. There's an argument that the, the reaction against PC and taboo uh, enlargement and all that is, is a real thing and a real argument to have or, and indeed drove people to Trump. But I don't think Trump drove it uh, at all. And I, and I don't want to – Billy said a thing that I think is, is an important point and I want to reiterate, which is that <laughs> – no, and, 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 and to Sarah's point, too, that most comedy uh, and most satire and, and, and most humor, stand-up, print, film, television, is not about Donald Trump, has nothing to do with Donald Trump, and it's going great, and, there's, and there people are being funny. So, uh, really, the, the implicit part of this question uh, is, is, can there be such a thing as good Trump comedy? We think there can be. But moreover, this larger thing is, it hasn't ruined it. Sarah still has a brilliant career, um, and, and so do all kinds of humor creators and comedy creators who... who I think an angry atmosphere in, in a society, especially when it is com- producing, perhaps, or combined with taboo inflation, where there are an increasing number of things that are taboo to talk about or taboo to talk about in certain places or yeah. you know, in certain groups and so on. And you combine this with it with an increasing anger in society, and the result is bad for humor. Bad. For I, I would say, but I'm curious about this, PJ, because I think you know one of the things that that seems to be frequently claimed about Donald Trump, and maybe Donald Trump says about himself, is that he participates in the uh, breaking down of of accepted norms of of discourse and the 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 conver- the uh, widely accepted idea that 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 both sides have become increasingly uh, uncivil or incivil, whichever is the correct word, uh, to each other, is happening perhaps simultaneously with what what you argue is an inflation in in taboos. So, if that's the case, if taboo inflation is what's being bad for comedy, then I would say Donald Trump is a force in society standing firmly against that by virtue of his own taboo-breaking behavior. And a good part of comedy and humor has always been approaching taboos and, and, and breaking them. And that's what makes people laugh, because oh, look what she said. Look what he said. I want to remind you that we are in the question and answer section of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. I'm John Donvan, your moderator. We have four debaters, two teams of two, debating this resolution. Trump is bad for comedy. Um, uh, yes, the, the, the self point from the head down. Yes, if you could stand up. Thanks. Hi, Daniel. Um, as Mr. 
Campbell, I mean Kimball, uh, said earlier, um, perhaps comedy is a little too good for Trump, um, and therefore I'm curious for the side against the motion, if they could see, you know, if the dictator was good for Hitler, would that affect how good it was for comedy? And Trump is very good at turning comedy into things that are good for him because he understands media in a way that is intriguing and different. So if you could answer that. Thank you. Uh, I'm not sh- Did you follow the question? If uh, I, well, it, it, is it, it, good for Trump. It was a thought experiment. If, if, the, if the dictator had been good for Hitler, would it have been good for comedy? So I guess you could say that I suppose, yeah, the Nazis used sort of forms of, of, of heinous ridicule that was, that was effective but despicable, and was that good for comedy? And uh, Kurt has prepared a really interesting answer on that. that <laughs> I'd like him to deliver to you now. I, I, I honestly, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been in conversations, sometimes on a stage even, about, and, and certainly asked by journalists, and especially in the age of Trump, well, what can satire do? Can it really have an effect? And, and, I, and I think, even though we're seeing the, the ill effect of, of Donald Trump going to Mississippi to, and talking to his partisans uh, a month ago uh, about uh, Dr. Blasey Ford and, and doing a comedic riff about her uh, lack of credibility. It was a comedy riff, and they laughed. As, and that's not obviously the first or last time he'll do that. But to, to, to establish that uh, somebody can gain this immensely consequential power and affect the way people think about matters of consequence... Uh, Yes, it's it's it it is the discovery of a kind of atomic energy, uh, and and as as horrible as it's been, it doesn't mean uh, it's been bad for comedy. Just that it has it, it has it has changed the nature of politics. And by the way, the nature of politics were changing long before Donald Trump and becoming a subset of show business. This is just the latest. Man, a f- permutation of the, the show business politics merger. Sarah, I feel like you want to respond to that as somebody who talked about weaponization of humor before. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, and there are comedians who disagree with me on this, but um, I think comedy is at its best when it is um, punching up and um, it's about power dynamic and stuff. And so Trump's version of comedy is, you know, uh, slurs and making, you know, just middle school humor. And what that does, it doesn't change his supporters' minds. I think it it unleashes what was in there already. It's like, oh, we get to say that now? Yay! You know, and and that's disturbing. It's an emboldening hate speech in a way. Um, But I think, and I do think there are a lot of comedians doing great comedy that subverts Trump. But I think I agree with PJ's question, or I think it's an important question, which is, um, is that the best way to fight Trump? I don't know that answer to that question. One other thing is here is that um, uh, it's interesting. One reason I would say that Trump is bad for comedy is that because of the point I made that Trump is a comic and he's a lousy one. Now, if you take somebody that many of you people in this room, um, some of the older people in this room probably disagreed with too. The rest of you weren't born. Uh, Ronald Reagan, he was funny. You know, he was funny. I mean, a guy's laying on the operating table after being shot and looks up at the doctors and says, I hope you're Republicans. 
I mean, the guy was funny, you know, and 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 that, that was a that was a much more of a fair contest between comedy and and, and, and the president. This guy's a lousy comedian. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes round two of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate, where the resolution is Trump is bad for comedy. Now we move on to round three, and round three will be closing statements by each debater in turn. Once again, the resolution is Trump is bad for comedy, and PJ, you would stand up for this one, making his closing statement in support of the motion, PJ O'Rourke, political satirist. I'll do that again. PJ O'Rourke, political satirist and best-selling author. Thank you. Okay. I want to get honest with you. Uh, the real reason that I think Trump is bad for comedy is that he's keeping me from making fun of you liberals. Um, because you're right about Trump. And I love you. And if it weren't for the Me Too movement, I would come down and hug you. Uh, I voted for Hillary. I voted for Hillary. Never mind that Hillary had Julian Assange set up the State Department email server, uh, put the Dalai Lama on security duty at the U.S. consulate of Benghazi, and the geopolitical conflicts of interest at the Clinton Foundation were so large they had to be weighed on Chris Christie's bathroom scale. Yeah? I voted for her. I voted for her. I was having fun with Hillary, and I expected to have eight more years of fun with Hillary, but no, no. My political party is being held prisoner by the abominable showman. Um, the GOP is a slum at the mercy of rent-gouging landlord of the flies. I was born Republican. I was raised Republican. I'm ethnically Republican. Um, my family's from downstate Illinois, and my grandmother, she said that growing up, uh, the only Democrat she'd ever heard of was John Wilkes Booth, you know? <laughs> Um, you know, we have two parties in this country. We have the stupid party and the silly party. Uh, the Democrats, the silly party, they say that government can do everything. Give us free health care, free college tuition, $50 an hour minimum wage, cure baldness, you know. And the Republicans, the, 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 the stupid party, uh, they say that government doesn't work, and then they get elected and they prove it. Um, <laughs> now... I'm stupid. I'm stupid, so I, I, I usually vote for the stupid party. I vote Republican because Republicans uh, have fewer ideas, okay? <laughs> but with Trump, all of a sudden, no, no, not few enough, you know? I mean, build a wall on the Mexican border. Stock market tip, go long on the Mexican ladder industry, okay? <laughs> anyway. So I just want to close by saying that, look, as, as, as liberals, as liberals... Trump is outside your house pissing on the windows. As a Republican, Trump is inside my house pissing on the wall-to-wall carpet. And that's why I think he's bad for comedy. Thank you, P.J. O'Rourke. And that is the resolution. Trump is bad for comedy. And here making his closing statement. Are you... uh, Is it you? I'm sorry, I had the order. Here making... It's going to be you, Billy, right? You're making his closing statement against the motion. Billy Kimball, writer and Emmy Award-winning producer for Veep. Uh, I'm I'm going to be very brief because I'm afraid PJ took my Chris Christie bathroom scale joke. Uh, And uh, I don't want to win here tonight on a technicality, but but I'll take it. I, I refer you in closing to, to the question, to the proposition, Donald Trump is bad for comedy. Um, it isn't, you're not voting on whether or not Donald Trump 
is bad. You're not voting on whether Donald Trump is bad at comedy. You're not voting on whether or not the comedy that Donald Trump does is comedy you like, is comedy that doesn't uh, offend you in some way or another. Uh, you're voting on the, simply the narrow question of, is Donald Trump bad for comedy or is he not bad at comedy? You're also not voting on whether or not necessarily Donald Trump is good for comedy. We've, uh, we've taken aim at that target, but that's, um, that's uh, exceeding our brief. Um, my point, and I think the, the, the point we've made throughout the evening is that, is that there is, uh, thanks to Donald Trump, there is uh, more comedy, uh, comedy as a, as a commercial enterprise and as a um, mechanism uh, uh, or as an uh, element in our culture is, is, on the, uh, improve, is subject to improving trends uh, thanks, to, thanks to Donald Trump. And Donald Trump himself, like it or not, has proven that comedy can be an effective, what I'll call, tool. Uh, so as much as we may not like what Donald Trump uses comedy for, he has shown us a way forward for perhaps a more uh, effective and potent use of comedy uh, in support of the arguments and the candidates that we do believe in. And in that sense, um, he's given, uh, given the art form uh, some new life. I do uh, also like to remind people that, you know, I think um, uh, people flatter themselves that they live in the worst of times, the best of times. Uh, there, there was a uh, time within living memory in the end of the 60s when there was uh, uh, active violence in the street and more, more potent um, disagreements even than we have now. There was a time in the century before that when the debate became so uncivil that there actually was an uncivil war. With that in mind, uh, I wouldn't ask you to uh, despair too much of the, of the uh, partisan moment, but to look forward uh, to, to a brighter day. And, uh, uh, and if you support a brighter day, I hope you'll vote in favor. Of us. Thank you. Thank you, Billy Kimball. That resolution again, Trump is bad for comedy. Here to make her closing statement supporting the motion, Sarah Schaefer, critical, critically acclaimed stand up comedian, writer, and producer. Hello. <laughs> um, my closing argument is just a little anecdote. Um, a few months ago, uh, some friends of mine and I, uh, uh, we were all individually approached to be a part of a new TV show hosted by a uh, left-wing media personality. The show did not go forward, so don't try to figure out what it is. Um, we were approached uh, individually like to be a writer, correspondent on the show, different roles. And uh, my boyfriend, when I told him about it, his first response was, are you sure you want to do this? And it would be a huge uh, break for me financially and uh, career-wise, reputation-wise. Um, but he immediately, and he, he's someone who would never question that trajectory. Um, and he was like, are you sure you want to do that? And I was like, why? And he was like, because it might ruin your life and it might um, threaten your safety if you want to be in that bullseye. And I thought about it and I still applied. <laughs> Um, and a friend of mine also applied, and she got as far as going in for an interview. And while in there, she, um, the host apparently said to her along the line, something along the lines of, if you do this as a, 
as a pitch to her. If you do this show, Trump will know your name. And she said, how are you going to ensure my personal safety? And they laughed it off. And they were like, you'll be fine. And she turned it down. Um, so my, uh, my final point is that if comedians, who are truly the most desperate people for attention and fame, <laughs> are turning down huge opportunities um, because of Trump, then yes, Trump is bad for comedy, obviously. Thank you, Sarah Schaefer. And that's the resolution. Trump is bad for comedy. And here to make his closing statement against the resolution, Kurt Anderson, host of Studio 360, best-selling novelist and journalist. Uh, I noticed during the uh, middle part of of the debate, uh, Sarah said a couple of things, several things, in fact, that I thought, oh, good, she's on our side. She's proving her point. She said, for instance, oh, uh, there's definitely been brilliant comedy about Trump. Hard to, say, hard to argue that Trump is bad for comedy if, if that's a fact. Uh, she said that, uh, uh, no, she knows plenty of comedians who steer clear of Trump and are doing great. Again, hard to argue that uh, Trump is bad for comedy if that's so. Um, also, he, he is not bad for comedy because he, it's so easy to get under his skin and has been since I was do, started doing it 30 years ago. Um, he gives comedy the power to unsettle him. And comedy at his expense really does upset him, which strikes me as good for comedy and America. It's a twofer. Um, he raged when SNL, in particular raged when Saturday Night Live ran a, had a sketch of him being the dim-witted child to Steve Bannon, who was really in control. He, he, he uh, writes, has written multiple angry tweets about my collaborator Alec Baldwin because of his impersonation of him. Uh, he was angry uh, at me and my, my co-editors at Spy Magazine 30 years ago when we started calling him, well, when we covered him but, and ridiculed him and journalistically exposed him, but also when we, and especially when over and over and over again we referred to him as short-fingered Bulgarian Donald Trump every time we referred to him in Spy Magazine. And it still stings. Within the last couple of years, he has sent a letter to my co-editor saying, no, look, my fingers are really normally sized. Um, You can't ask for much more comic success than that, it seems to me. Now, seriously, I get Sarah's point. The stakes are very high. The stakes are very high for America. Go vote next Tuesday. The stakes are, of course, naturally high for comedy that is engaged in the big issues of America. Um, they're going to be. And it's going to be scary for comedians. It's going to be scary for critics. It's going to be scary for journalists. It's scary for us. And that's the way it is. So, yes, Trump has been bad for America, but not excessively or uniquely or, or worse for comedy than he is for the rest of America. I think, and finally, I, th- I think comedy has an important role as a canary in this particular mine we've been trapped in for the last two years. Because as long as we can still find things about this nightmare to laugh about, uh, he has not yet won. Thank you. Thank you, Kurt Anderson. And that concludes round three of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate where the resolution is Trump is bad for comedy. Now we're going to learn which side you feel has argued the best. I want to ask you again to go to your phones and vote for the second time following the same procedure. IQ2US.org forward slash vote. You'll be presented with the same set of prompts for, against, or undecided. And we get the results uh, 
in a, we'll, we'll lock out the vote in about uh, 45 seconds to a minute and 15, uh, and then we get the results about two to three minutes um, after that. And while that's happening, um, the first thing I want to say is um, uh, I, I want to talk about the audience. Uh, you were just terrific tonight. You really gave an energy to this room, and I was delighted by the fact that I didn't throw out a single question, and I got caught by the comment, but that's okay. Um, I just want to thank everybody who got up and asked a question and for your spirit that you brought to this tonight. But more importantly, I think our debaters, our debaters really made this interesting and useful, and it was serious while funny, and I just want to congratulate them for the spirit in which they met one another on stage. Uh, so PJ O'Rourke and, and Sarah Schaefer and Sarah, everybody in this room knows your name now. So, so onward. <laughs> and I, I also want to say the same thing, uh, th- uh, thanking the, the team of uh, Kurt Anderson and Billy Kimball and Billy Campbell. Uh, the three of you were spectacular, but also you, you just made it all so interesting. And again, thank you all for what you did on the stage. Um, I have a question I'd actually like to, uh, to put to you. This is not part of the competition. It's just something we would be curious to hear from all four of you. Since we had a long talk about uh, tonight about comedy and, and everyone agreeing that some people are doing it really well, um, I'll, start, I'll start with you, um, uh, Kurt. Um, who, who do you think is actually doing handling Trump comedy really, really well out there now? Well, because I am part of the choir to which he is preaching. I think Stephen Colbert does an extraordinary job. But beyond Trump and, and toward Trumpism and being combining uh, intelligent, essentially journalistic critiques of Trumpism uh, and the, the rest of it, uh, John Oliver is doing extraordinary work um, that, of, of a kind that, yes, was pioneered by his previous employers uh, at Comedy Central, but, but in combining uh, enlightenment with ridicule to an extraordinary degree every week. I, f- I find him doing amazing things. Uh, um, but, you know, yes, as a longtime Trump profiteer, I think both of those are good <laughs> examples of people doing great work. And, and, and need I say it, since we're no longer arguing the debate, uh, debating the point, important work. Sarah? Um, no offense to Alec Baldwin, but Anthony Atamanik, uh does the best Trump impression out there and his show, The Trump Show, which he has said repeatedly he wants it to end because he wants Trump to not be president anymore and they will stop doing it the moment he's not president. Um, he's amazing. I just think he's so, so brilliant. Thanks. Billy? Um, I mean, people are sometimes annoyed when I say I don't really watch a lot of comedy, but um, I, I, uh, uh, I, I will tell you that at Veep in the uh, lunchtime we do watch um, Seth Meyers' Closer Look every day, and I definitely give him credit for coming up with an interesting take that's very, very well produced, and if you're looking for sort of a a quick snapshot of the comedy uh, zeitgeist vis-a-vis Trump, I recommend that. I'll also say, to to the point that was raised, I think, by by both PJ and Sarah, for people who are suffering from from outrage fatigue or Trump fatigue, there's there's lots of other stuff that we've mentioned. We we live in a, a a wonderful time of uh, vast rich riches on television from all kinds of different voices. I, I would mention in particular the, the show produced by my colleagues at HBO, uh, Barry, which uh, has nothing whatsoever to do with Trump, maybe, <laughs> but uh, uh, about a hitman who takes acting classes, which I think is really uh, funny and clever, and there's something about it seems to be very much of the moment and yet not specifically about Donald Trump. Huh. And PJ? Well, I, I, I'd like to take us outside the field of comedy per se to people who have 
a, a comic touch and a, and, a, and a sense of humor, but did not primarily do, do comedy. Um, and I think it's worth uh, 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 looking at some of the anti-Trump conservatives uh, that are out there, some of whom are, are very funny on the subject of Trump, uh, notably John Podhoritz, who runs commentary. Uh, uh, he's, he's, and he's a lifelong New Yorker, and he like, gets Trump in, in, in a very good way. Uh, Jonah Goldberg, who for many years ran the uh, website for National Review, he is very funny on the subject of Trump. Andy Ferguson, who's a, a writer for the Weekly Standard, um, also um, really good. So there, there are people out there, besides just comedy itself, there are people out there making fun of Trump uh, very well. All right. Thank you for that. Um, I hope everybody was taking notes. Lots of stuff to watch. Um, I want to thank you again all for being here tonight, but to tell our audience our final debate of the season is actually happening on the West Coast. Uh, we're headed soon to San Francisco, uh, hosting a debate at the Techonomy Conference. The resolution is Silicon Valley has lost its soul. Arguing in support will be journalist and author It'll Noam be the Cohen. Same group. <laughs> <laughs> and Harvard's Dipayan Ghosh. Arguing against will be Silicon Valley historian Leslie Berlin and entrepreneur and technologist Joshua McKenty. January, we're back here with two great topics. On January 16th, we're going to be considering the global financial system 10 years after the crisis. Is it any safer? And then on January 31st, the resolution is going to look at the question of whether humans should bring back extinct animals, bring them back to life. There's more information on all of this uh, on our website, iq2us.org. Okay, I have the results now. It's all in. Once again, reminding you it's the difference between the first and the second vote that determines our winners. The resolution, Trump is bad for comedy. In the first vote, 35% of you agreed with this resolution. 42% disagreed. 23% were undecided. In the second vote, the team arguing for the motion, Trump is bad for comedy, their first vote was 35%, their second vote was 37%. They picked up two percentage points, which is the number to beat. Let's look at the team against the motion. Their first vote was 42%. Their second vote was 54%. That's 12 percentage points they picked up. That's enough. That makes the team arguing against the resolution, Trump is bad for comedy, our winners. Our congratulations to them. Thank you for me, John Donvan, and Intelligence Squared Yes. We'll see you next time.